Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey friends, this is Andy. Do you know Engageo? They're leading the revolution in account-based sales and account-based marketing. Engageo enables companies like yours to orchestrate human connections at scale and build hyper-growth sales engines. Let's meet Joe Chernoff. I'm Joe Chernoff, the VP of Marketing for Insight Squared. Our very first purchase when we shifted models was Engageo. Engageo very quickly became the centerpiece of our account-based marketing strategy, both the technology as well as the content they provide. Engageo's platform lets you engage the right account at the right time so you can close more deals faster. So if you're interested in joining leaders like Insight Squared in the account-based everything revolution, then be sure to visit engageo.com forward slash accelerate and download your copy of their new book, The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Sales Development. And then come back and listen to the rest of this exciting episode of Accelerate. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. I am really excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me here in this first week of January is Jill Rowley, digital transformation specialist, speaker, social selling evangelist, enterprise sales expert. Jill, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you, Andy. I am excited to be here. Yeah. So for people maybe that don't know you, take a minute, introduce yourself. Maybe also tell us how you got your start in sales. Sure. Uh, I say I'm a sales professional trapped in a marketer's body. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. I'm just a sales guy. (laughs) Well, I'm trapped in a marketer's body because my buyer was marketing for a decade. That's true with Eloqua. That's right. And so part of my mantra is know thy buyer and be where your buyers are. Be visible and valuable where your buyers are. Um, be the best advocate of and for your buyers. And to do that, when your customer is marketing, you really need to know a lot about marketing. And so I kind of, you know, almost like what's happening with sales and marketing more broadly, that the lines are blurring and the rules are blending. I too, as an individual, the lines between sales and marketing of Jill Rowley are blurring and, and blending. And so I got my start in sales officially. My first quota carrying job was in 2000 
And I had spent six years in consulting prior to wanting to get into sales. Um, and I joined salesforce.com and uh-huh. that's when there were about 24 other salespeople at the company. It was early days at Salesforce. Right. Wow. So yeah. what was, what was sort of the big takeaway for you from that, that, you know, time frame? Um, I, so I spent two years there and I actually went from Salesforce to one of my customers. So I joined, um, Eloqua and it really, it, I got to know my buyer and that's what led me to, to Eloqua. I was working with them. They were a customer. I was intrigued with what they were doing. And the more they told me about the business and I actually started to use the product, mm-hmm. which at that time was really trackable email. Right. And this is before email was ruined <laughs> by every marketer and every sales professional on the planet this is when, you know, newsletters were just coming to be. Right. And so when I went go over to the article reprint wall, um, we used to do a lot of, you know, uh, put a hat in a package, put a bunch of article reprints in a package and mail it to your prospect. Um, I said, well, I could take these pieces of content and I could put them in email format And then I could send it and I would know if someone opened it or clicked through the email and I could send that to a whole lot more people than I could a physical piece of mail. So that was back in 2001-ish that I started to use Eloqua as an individual sales rep. And um, Benioff, actually, I showed it to him and he's like, get every salesperson using this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, think about it. It really wasn't that long ago. When you, look, when you look how things have changed, so rapidly they've changed. Yeah, they have. They've rapidly changed. So I don't know. I love it. I mean, I've, I've, for my now, so I spent 13 years as an individual quota carrying sales rep. I literally never had any desire to be a manager, to be a director, to be a senior director, to be a VP, to be an SVP, because to me that meant um, a lot of time in Excel and a lot of time managing other people which I have a hard enough time managing myself, much less anyone else. And it meant I would get farther away from the customer. And I am all about the customer. So I wanted to be as close to the customer as I possibly could. And sales was where I was, you know, most effective at that. Excellent. So in your mind here, as we look at the start of 2017 going forward, what in your mind, what is the single biggest challenge facing sales professionals today? I mean, this year, what do, what do they need to address? Well, I think the single bi- biggest challenge facing salespeople is the same single biggest challenge facing buyers. And it is distraction. And it is, you know, I, I say often the, the modern buyer, she's digitally driven you know, 92% of B2B buyers are starting their search on the web. Mm-hmm. She's socially connected. She's mobile with multiple devices. She's empowered. She has nearly unlimited access to information right. and, and people. Right. But she's also overwhelmed because of all of that. Not only does she have unlimited access to everything, pretty much everybody has unlimited access to her by, you know, continuing to call, email, call, email, call, email, call, email her. And with, you know, interruptive, um, uh, generic messages. Mm -hmm. And so the, the seller too, 
you know, we are easily distracted. And I think that one of the challenges internally is you're bombarded with messages and with content and with tools and with process and, and, and how do you, you know, filter through all of that to make your number, which is ultimately how you're measured in sales. Right. And so I think, you know, the, the best salespeople, they intimately know their customer. They know their buyer at a human level. So Andy Paul, they know their buyer at, you know, a company level, zero time selling. Mm-hmm. They know their company, their customer, their buyer at an industry level. So what's happening in that customer's industry, the changes that they're facing, um, the ups and downs, the big priorities. And you know, the more you know someone and their environment and their priorities and their challenges, the better you are positioned to help them. So how do you how do you fight that distraction though? I mean, I understand as a buyer, because yeah, I mean, you're as a, one of your jobs as a salesperson, you're trying to be compelling enough to grab some other time yep. because they are so hugely distracted. Yep. But you you raise a really interesting point that that I really haven't heard many people talk about before is that the salesperson's distracted as well, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. and especially if they have any sort of call reluctance, that's that's a compounding effect. How do you how do you deal with that distraction as a sales professional? How do you how do you stay focused? Mm-hmm. Um, so, bringing in a little bit of my marketing background, I think it's so important to really understand the ideal customer profile, so that you are spending your time on the companies that you will generate the most value for. So, you know, not wasting your time on bad fit accounts or even bad fit um, individuals, meaning if you are selling something that requires a lot of change and it requires internal education and it requires uh, uh, cross-functional collaboration um, for your customer to be successful, then it's really important that you are investing your time as a sales professional with the individuals within that organization that can drive change, that can facilitate that cross-functional um, collaboration, alignment, unification. And, you know, that, that, that really is someone who um, can be your champion mm-hmm. and can, can sell effectively internally and earn trust and credibility so I think that's, you know, I think it's really important. Just it's, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of focus. Making and good people, choices, I think. Totally. I think that, I mean, that's how I would take what you said is, is making good choices. Cause I, I do have a lot of, you know, sales companies, salespeople, you know, and sort of the level below that is, is even at the habit level is you have a choice about how you spend every minute of your day. Yep. And you have to make good choices. And as you talked about, one of the important choices is make sure you're calling on the customers that fit your ICP. Well, and to making those good choices, you know, my choice at the gym or when I'm on a run is to consume content via podcast or video. And so at the gym this morning, um, I'm doing a lot of work with GE Mm -hmm. and GE is, you know, just an incredible example of a traditional, you know, 
140-year-old company, $120 billion company that is a manufacturing company. They're an industrial manufacturer. They produce jet engines, uh, oil turbines. Um, they're in the transportation business. And they are becoming a digital business. They, they are the digital industrial. I know. I've seen the TV commercials. Aren't you like in <laughs> awe, Andy? Yeah. They're becoming a software company. Yeah. I, mean, I live in the Valley. So you know, I'm just in Silicon Valley and Mark Andreessen, software is eating the world. It's absolutely true. You know, I used to say, I don't see a dot. I don't want to connect. But now I don't see a device or a machine. I'm not thinking about how that's going to be connected to the internet. Oh yeah. I mean, think about GE and you know, jet engines, for instance, right? I mean, do you think about the internet of things and, and, you know, real time. And I think even Salesforce talked about this at a, they profiled GE, I think a couple of years ago, Dreamforce is about this yep. whole thing is, you know, interconnectedness of everything that they make. Yep. It's the internet of everything and it's the, you know, the internet of the customer. And, and so at the gym this morning, you know, as I'm, you know, I'm still working with them and there's a really big project that I'm, we're, we're discussing my participation in. And, um, I'll tell you a story about social. So I, the other day I was traveling, I was at a speaking at an event and I had sent a tweet about GE being recognized as the number one corporate university. Mm -hmm. And I had tagged a couple people from GE so that they knew I was thinking about them. And the CIO of GE, Jim Fowler, he's the CIO of all of GE, he retweeted my tweet. So I knew he was on Twitter. So I DM'd him. I direct mm -hmm. messaged him on Twitter and mentioned this new initiative that I was speaking with the team about and said, why don't we get on the good old-fashioned telephone and have a conversation? And he DM'd me back immediately and you know, basically said he was at an event, he'd be available at five, would that be a good time? I would move mountains to yeah. make sure that that, <laughs> that was, was a good right time. time. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. No brainer, right? Right. Uh, perfect. Right. As I then re, you know, jig my whole schedule. Um, and I said, what's your meeting, what's your email address? So I can send a meeting invite. Cause I want to be on his calendar. Right. I want his email address. So he sent me his email, his cell phone, Three minutes before our scheduled call, I was doing a bit more research on him. So, of course, looking in digital and social, I came across an article in the Huffington Post that he had written about uh, Minecraft and his son and uh, his son's friends playing Minecraft. And there was he was tying it to the world in which we live. And so I tweeted it and tagged him just again to get his attention, just to make sure he showed up to this five o'clock call. Right, right. And, and to know that you're researching him. Exactly. Um, so we have the 45 minute call. You know, we talk a lot about some really cool stuff about um, Schindler, the elevator company mm -hmm. that is going through their own digital transformation. That once he mentioned that, I of course went and researched that so I would understand. And then the next day, I'm at the airport flying out, and there's an escalator, and it's out, and there are two technicians working on the escalator and you know i immediately thought okay is did the escalator uh, did it did it break 
Or is this a maintenance that they're doing on it? And is it, you know, so I just, I immediately thought of GE. And so I actually uh, texted Jim the picture of the, uh, of the escalator and, and he, you know, replied back, looks like they need predix, which is the GE, you know, platform. Right. So that, that's just the story of, you know, when I'm, when I'm, how I use my time, I'm constantly thinking about how I more deeply connect with the people I want to do business with. And to deeply connect with someone, you have to be of value to them. You have to know them. You have to understand them. You have to help them. And so, you know, I use all sorts of different channels because call email, call email, call email, the buyer's doing ignore, delete, ignore, delete, ignore, delete. You know, I'm, re- I'm less reliant on call email. Um, I'm trying to get their attention where their attention is. And, and the attention right now is in digital and social. And so another thing that I think sales professionals need to um, invest in in 2017 is upping their digital and social skill set. And that requires an investment in training. And um, you can do it at an individual level, but I work with companies that do it at an organizational level mm-hmm. where there's you know, a prescriptive um, uh, curriculum that sales professionals go through. There's assessments and... Um, coaching and reinforcement and there's, you know, certification at the end of the program that everyone now is doing social selling in a common, not automated, but a common way. Um, so I think in 2017, if you're not already upping your digital and social game, you need to. Absolutely. I mean, you, and you've tweeted about this recently. You, t- you had to tweet, you said you have to be built to adapt Survival is not mandatory, and digital transformation is not optional, and and that is exactly what you've just been talking about, right? I mean, describing your own your own scenario with with the CIO of GE is, yeah, that was that was a digital conversation. You, you weren't on the phone till after a bit. You did the research. You found out about him. You made sure he knew and that you were there, that you were paying attention, that you were researching. And these are things that, that you talked about is you have to up your game as if your company's not providing the training, you gotta gotta do it yourself. You know, you can't wait for your company to say, look, we need you to become, you know, we're gonna train you to become proficient in this. You need to elevate your proficiency yourself. I, I definitely and I think what you can do in parallel is you can help make the business case for your company to make that investment on a on a on a larger scale. So don't wait for your company to give you these skills and provide you the training. Um, go, go forth. My, 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 my friend. Um, but in parallel, what I would recommend you do is, you know, track your success, right? Cause success breeds success. And, exactly. Um, you know, help your peers, right. Get them to, to start down this path as well. Um, and there's plenty of content like, a couple resources, uh, sales for life, uh, sales for life. They've got great executive level content to help build the business case and convince you know, those senior level leaders mm-hmm. uh, that, that they have to embrace change. Um, another company has some good content called trap it T R A P I T really good content around 
social selling, of course, LinkedIn, of course, they have great content around it. So there's resources out there to um, convince the folks that be uh, in power uh, that this is something that they have to to invest in. And at an individual level, there are podcasts you know, like this one. We've got certainly have a number of guests about social selling, but there are some that are dedicated to it. Yeah, no excuse for not being able to up your game. And for heaven's sakes, for a lot of it, you wouldn't believe how many connection requests I get from people that still don't have pictures on their LinkedIn profile. Just saying. Well, how about no picture and the invite is generic? Exactly. It's yeah, just, no customization. I call that social stupid. <laughs> and I call it being just plain lazy. And I say first impressions matter. Every impression matters. Exactly. So literally last night I'm at a physical networking event. Shocking. I mean, the queen of social selling talks about the phone and being face to face. Yeah, because social is just another channel. So I'm there and um, he doesn't have a card. I don't have a card. So I'm like, okay, let's just get the LinkedIn connection thing done now. So I'm standing in front of him. I pull it up, the mobile app. I hit personalize invite and start typing. He's like, why are you, pr- I'm standing right here. Why are you, pr-? and I said, because I never send a generic invite. I never do either. It is a rule. It's, it's one of those 10 commandments, right? Like you're standing in front of me. I've said, I'm going to send you, say you're going to accept, but I need it to be personalized, period. Two very simple steps that are really important. And as you said, creating those first perception in the mind of your prospect. Yeah, if it's just generic, what they think you're doing is just hitting, you know, LinkedIn put up the screen of, of you know, perf- recommended connections, right? And you're just going through clicking, clicking connect. Right. On all right. of them. Right. Yeah. And what if he doesn't actually get to look at it for a couple of days? Right. Yeah. And what if he doesn't really like remember who I am or meeting me or whatever. Right. So I, I just, there's, I say, if you're, if you suck offline, you're going to suck more online. And basically social amplifies both suckiness and non suckiness. (laughs) (laughs) Those are technical terms we use in sales. Yes. 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 Um, Yeah, I agree. I mean, you are who you are. And so if, if you're lazy offline, you'll be lazy online. In fact, you may be lazier, as you said, online because you think it's an easier path. I think so. And I think what you're doing is you're taking old school mindset of sell, 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 pitch, 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 promote, promote, promote. And you're putting that in new school channel, which social is actually the anti-sell. Right. It's not about selling. That's why social selling is not a good term because it, this isn't about selling via the social web. It isn't like, um, you know, I send a tweet and someone places an order. So it's really about social as a channel for engagement. It's for learning. It's for teaching. It's for collaborating. It's for sharing. It's for networking. It, it isn't a channel to pitch and to pounce and to, you know, I always say to be interesting you must be interested. And so for me to be interesting to Jim Fowler, the CEO, or sorry, the CIO of GE, I need to be interested in Jim Fowler. Right. 
And you have and to so, demonstrate it, right? Exactly. And you have to earn trust online typically before the sales conversation can begin offline. Which is a true in person as well, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, they have the mm-hmm. rules. The rules are very similar to your point about uh, if you, <laughs> to use your term, if you suck in one dimension, you're going to suck in the other. So, well, let's let's explore a little bit further. We'll talk about social is, is you know, there's this whole, because I think this is really important for sales professionals, especially if you're selling anything sort of a complex enterprise sales, is they just tend to position social as just, you know, top of funnel, make that connection, initial connection, and so on. But as we were talking about before, it, it can actually be used throughout the sales process at every stage. And beyond. I and mean, beyond, it can be sure. used uh, with your existing customers, right? So I, I love celebrating customer success. Mm-hmm. I would rather tweet an announcement about a customer doing something great than tweet an announcement about um, our company winning another award. Exactly. And so when you think about who your existing customers are and what they're doing, how can you use social to shine the spotlight on them, to amplify their message, to connect in a human way, right? So maybe, maybe you have a customer who um, is on Twitter and she just ran a marathon and she tweeted about it. Way to go, Susie. Mm-hmm. Right? Your mm-hmm. perseverance um, and is fortitude is inspirational. Right. Not tweeting another, you know, I always say nobody tweets your data sheet. So. <laughs> a, a, a nice little couplet, a rhyme. It's almost Shakespearean. I try to talk in tweets. Yeah, I like Andy. it. I like it. Yeah. But the uh, rhyming, the rhyming, that was, that was the, that I like that part. Nobody tweets your data sheet. Yeah. Um, so it's that kind of stuff, right? And it's, and it, you can find out about someone, what, what's going on with them. What's, and that, and that helps again, just deepen that relationship. So social is just, an, it's another channel. It's, it's a way to learn so I don't think you should disconnect with buyers. Um, I try to not use the word prospect very often. So, but in sales, it's really you know prospects and customers. Mm. Um, no one wants to be a target in your database. Uh, no one wants to be hunted. No one wants to be farmed. Andy, we have this whole language in sales that's just—it's so like caveman. Um, <laughs> but, but it's not going away. I, I mean, know. I mean, look in the. But yeah, for those who are in the SaaS business, and you look at a job description, you know, for an open posting, I mean, it's, it's all about uh, closers. I know. I know. And you know what I think? I actually, and I know I can see this, opening oftentimes now, it's harder to get in. Once you're in and you prove a little value and you, and you show them something compelling that is of interest and can solve their problem, I, I, think, I think getting in, though, because we are so overwhelmed and inundated, I actually think getting in is harder. And when you look at what we're doing... Getting into the, an account for the first time to make that connection. Yep. Yep. I think it's harder now. And what we've done is we've taken, we've, we've, we've taken the sales organization. We say we've got our field sales. We have our inside sales. We have our sales development reps and maybe even business develop BDRs. Mm-hmm. So BDR, SDR, inside field, named account, nationals. And you've got your literally just graduated from college 
kids who know nothing about business, they know nothing about sales, they know nothing about the customer, and you have them trying to get in. Yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah, I know. For, so for those of the, those SDRs that listen to this program, what's, what's the word of advice for them? They, they need to know thy customer at, that's their best, that is their best likelihood. That investment in knowing the problems that you solve for customers like the one you're calling, knowing how to connect a dot to really get that person's attention. And it's hard because you don't have a network. You don't have any real probably business acumen. You don't, you you don't know a lot. And so you got to get on a learning path, right? Every single day, every day, right. And I think, Every day, and I think, and I think one of the things that, to that point, is, and you, you really open a good thought there, is that that for SDRs, BDRs, you know, too often it's it's like, hey, you're just selling a demo, right, or you're just selling a conversation. Mm-hmm. But if you think that's the end goal, then you really never have that incentive to learn more, and so you really have to think about yourself. I think the SDRs, and I encourage them, is that you're part of the problem solving team. You know, you have to have the end goal in mind just as much as the account exec does. And so you have to educate yourself because if, if you're just trying to do that demo in that conversation and you only have that superficial level of knowledge about their problems, their, their objectives, their desires, their aspirations, then it's going to come across instantly to the person you're talking to. I, I, I think so. And, and I, I, I think the challenge is with you know, sales leaders, they've, they've structured the sales organization in the BDR, SDR, inside field, named national. Um, they put the, you know, the, 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 the least expensive resource mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Or, or talent, if you will, I hate to call them resource. Um, and, and, and all they want them to do is, you know, here's your list. Uh, even one of the, the, the most, one of the companies I admire the most, their inbound team, they make 10 touches and they do 10 emails and 10 calls. Mm-hmm. And if they get no response, they mark it dead. And it's 10 emails and 10 calls. Right. It's not, you know, 10 minutes of research, uh, connect with them on LinkedIn, see if they're on Twitter, follow them on Twitter see what they're tweeting about, who see, see who they follow. It's literally 10 touches, generic, that basically you're just going to churn through those people because they're not going to make the number using outdated approaches. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, your, your churn is expensive. When, when you have turnover in your, in your sales organization, it's expensive. Yeah, I really think it's a leadership issue, Andy. Oh, it is. It is. But I, I'm also encouraged from time to time because I have SDRs that reach out to me that I see what they're doing and they're taking some initiative on their own to say, look, yeah, I, granted, I've got my numbers I've got to make, but I'm going to do it in a way that I think is more effective. 
and you've got some. It's you're starting. I'm starting to see some glimmer of light in some of these places where the SDRs are saying, "Look, because I want to make this a career, right? I don't want to be just an SDR and burn out and go do something else. I want to move up the ladder." And it's not just going to be about making numbers. It's going to be about doing well. You are exactly right. Yeah. And, and they stand out, don't they, Andy? They stand like out. Those SDRs, they, they, they make an impact. They stand out. And their managers may be frustrated with them because you're not doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. But, hey, tough, right? This is your career. Take charge of your career. And if you do well, you're going to be rewarded, even if it's not exactly according to the just prescribed <laughs> structure. I don't think I've ever followed the prescribed structure. No, like, I, I teach my kids rules are made to be broken changed or bent. I don't want my kids doing what's been done. I want them to do what's possible, what's right, what's modern, and what's going to make an impact. Exactly. And a lot of how we operate in the education system, in the uh, industrial manufacturing world, in the even software as a service world. It's conformity. Is, it's conformity and it's based on a, a different buyer, a pre-digitally, socially mobile empowered buyer. Which is ironic, isn't it? I, it, it means I have a, a very rich um, future ahead of me because I spent a <laughs> decade transforming marketing to become more modern, data-driven, process, metrics, content, customer-centered, centric-obsessed, uh, video, uh, all sorts of you know, modernization in marketing. And I'm just taking all of that learning and applying that to sales. And I think if we were to summarize what we'd sort of talked about in terms of great advice for sales professionals listening to this, it's... Yes, be less conforming, mm-hmm. right? Take some risks. Do what's right for the customer. And always make it about the customer. If you do that, you're going to be a step ahead of the game for sure. I encourage them to go out and buy a pair of uh, glasses and have, these, have this pair of glasses on their desk. And whenever things, they have, they have a question about what they're supposed to be doing or why they're doing something or how they're doing it, pick up that pair of glasses and, and those are your customer's glasses. So when you, when you put those glasses on, you're looking at it through the eyes of your customer and those glasses will, will sit there and they will represent your customer. And the decisions that you make, if you look at it through the eyes of your customer, you are going to be way more successful in your uh, career. I love that. That is incredible. Okay. That we're going to finish this segment of the show with that. That was a great example. Get a pair of reading glasses, put it on your desk. Oh, I love it. Perfect. Look through the customer's eyes. All right. Uh, Jill, we're going to move into the last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions. I ask all my guests. And in the first one, a hypothetical scenario in which you, Jill, have just been hired to be VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out. Time to hit the reset button. CEO is anxious for things to take place. So uh, what two steps would you take your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? To be effective as a VP of sales, I need to understand the company strategy. And I need to understand how the company strategy was built. 
Was it built based on us understanding um, what, what companies want and building something that we can solve what they want? So I, I, need to, I need to take inventory, right? Mm-hmm. I need to know what is our company strategy? What is our product strategy? What is our marketing strategy? What is our talent strategy? I need, I need all of those components to build my sales strategy. And I need to, I need to I, before I go out and start doing lots of things and sending lots of emails and making lots of calls, um, I, I need to create a strategy. What is a sales strategy? Okay. And going into that, you know, I, I need to know deeply um, where, where are we good, right? Like who are our happiest customers and what is it? What are the problems that we solve for those customers and really understanding um, how we're generating value, who it is we're generating value for um, and so forth. So it's a, it's, it's coming up with a strategy and really getting a very good grasp on who our best customers are and understanding where we've lost accounts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, why, right? Who are the bad fit customers for us? Right. So that, that's, that's how I would look at it. Okay, great answer. All right, so now I've got some rapid-fire questions. You can give me one-word answers or elaborate if you wish. So the first one is when you, Jill Rowley, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Passion. Who's your sales role model? There are too many. Uh, Mark Benioff. What's one book every salesperson should read? Sales or non-sales? Any type of book. In 2017, they should read Social Selling Mastery by Jamie Shanks. Okay. Oh, good book. I like that one. All right. Uh, Last question. This is a tough one. What music's on your playlist these days? I don't listen to music. Okay. I listen to podcasts. I'm a nerd. (laughs) So what's your favorite podcast? It depends on who I'm working with at a customer level. Mm -hmm. And I listen to things that would be informative to them. So it might even, because I have a portfolio of tech companies that I invest in and advise. So it could be Saster mm-hmm. about SaaS startups. Right. It could be the Art of Charm, which is more about uh, time management and entrepreneurism. Um, it could be uh, Social Selling with Game Changers by SAP. It's all. It, I I don't have a favorite. It's it's in the moment. What is most relevant to what I need to know today? Excellent. That's a great answer. Just like Thanks. reading. Just like reading a book. Excellent. All right, Joe, it's been fantastic talking to you. And uh, how can people get hold of you? It's not hard. I, I basically live my life out loud on the web. So Twitter, at Jill underscore Rowley, and LinkedIn. But if you're going to invite me to connect on LinkedIn... Don't make it generic. Don't do social stupid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good. Well, again, thank you very much for being on the show. And friends, thank you for taking your time out of your day to listen to us today. Remember, make it part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. 
That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jill Rowley, who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.